Welcome to the fifth quarter. Conversations beyond the X and O's with your hosts, Layson Perkins and Jeff Osterman. Join the journey as they learn from coaches, authors, military leaders, successful entrepreneurs, business people, and motivators. Welcome. Tonight we're in for a surprise. Uh, I think uh, George Silva has become a new friend to me. Uh, We've met through a mutual friend and uh, from our first conversation, Lason, I, I told him I wanted him on this podcast because he just had a great heart. Uh, he served our country in the U.S. Navy. He's a husband. He's a father. He works uh, with Everyday Warrior Project with my friend Mike Sorelli. He works on um, ADA, which is a personal goal project that we can dive into. But uh, George, thank you for giving up your time and, and joining us tonight. Hey, well, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. And uh, thank you for being patient. I, you know, the uh, the computer wasn't cooperating with me and, and whatnot, but I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Before we start diving into leadership and triple seven jumps and everything. Can you maybe take just a a short time out and fill our listeners in on your journey and how you got to this point? All right. Well, I guess my journey really starts in high school. All right. I was, um, I, I was always a pretty intelligent guy, but I never really applied myself. Um, so I had, I had actually moved out of my house whenever I was 16 years old and, uh, I was living on my own and I, I sleep, I was working four different jobs, um, crazy enough, but the way that the, the work schedule, um, had to be was I could only work X number of hours for, for you know, for a job period. So I just got four different jobs. I worked at KFC on like Mondays and Wednesdays and I worked at Golden Corral on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I worked for his company, Sneaky Pete's on Friday evenings, uh, Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. And then I worked at my personal favorite Duryea moving and storage, um, on like Saturday mornings, right. Um, just moving people. And, and that was just such a fun job. But anyway, I had shown up to school one day and, um, because it was, it was game day and I had to show up if I wanted to play. And, uh, I, I got, I was, um, you know, I got called to the counselor's office and then they're like, Mr. Silva, we're not sure if you're going to be able to graduate, you know, and I was, you definitely can't take any scholarships. And I, I was an okay baseball player. I wouldn't say I was, I was great by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I, I threw pretty hard and I was, I was, I was okay. And, um, so I'm sleeping in economics class and this Navy recruiter came in and, and I'm just trying to sleep. This was back when Bush and, you know, all that craziness was going on with Bush and Gore. And he's like, what do you want to, what, what do you want to do? And I was like, man, I just want to sleep. Just leave me alone. He's like, no, seriously, what do you want to do? I was like, man, I just want to play baseball. He's like, you know, you can, you know, play baseball in the Navy and get paid for it. I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, and so I, I joined the military. I did get a chance to play baseball, but the recruiter was a little less than honest. I wouldn't say he was a terrible guy, but he's a little less than honest. And, uh, while I, you know, while I was in my, um, you know, basic training, nine 11 happened. And, um, I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, Oh, I'm just here to play baseball. Right. And uh, I had my baseball package together and I got to my first command. I knocked on the door, knock, knock, knock. And, uh, chief scout called me and come on in. I was like, Hey, uh, chief, uh, my name is H.A. Silva. And, uh, here's my package for baseball. He's like, ha, yeah, uh, we're just going to take a quick trip, trip uh, to our rack. Get the fuck out of here. 
That's what he said. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, you know, and I'm just this little E2 and I have no idea about the military. Well, I went over. Um, I, I got deployed almost immediately um, after joining. Um, I believe that February, February 11, 2003, we crossed the line of departure over into Iraq. And anyway, I loved it so much that I actually volunteered to go back. I was with the Marine EOD unit out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and I had probably the best career that, that anyone could have. And, um, and so I volunteered to go back and I was there during the high of the war in, in 2006, uh, during Ramadi, 2005, 2006, and I loved it. Um, you know, from there, I just, you know, I hung out in the military for 20 years and I retired. And, uh, and, and while I was in, I met good buddy, Mike Sorelli, um, lost contact with him. And, um, after I got out, I, I happened to meet up with him at this thing called battlefield review in Gettysburg. And, uh, he asked me, he was like, Hey, I want, I want you to come on and, and do this thing with me. I said, okay. And, and I just said yes, right? I figure I'd say yes and, and figure out the rest later. Um, and there's some other, you know, things that was in there. And anyway, long story short, you know how, how I'm here is this. I, I say yes, even whenever I'm not sure about the opportunity. Um, I, I said yes to the Navy, and I, I, I didn't know anything about the Navy. I said yes to, to Mike. And now um, I'm working with Men's Journal, the Everyday Warrior Project, uh, we started a company called ADA. Um, now we have Legacy Expeditions, where we're about to be doing this thing called the Triple Seven, where we're going to be doing seven jumps in seven days on seven different continents to raise seven million dollars uh, for Folds of Honor um, to help you know those individuals, the the, the children of those individuals who have passed away, um, you know, military veterans. So. George and I, I have great faith, and from our first conversation, we were destined to become friends and really to talk about things, and we'll dive into that later. But can you talk about a little bit uh, Everyday Warrior and, and kind of, I just love everything about it, but maybe explain to our listeners what it means to be an everyday warrior and the tie-in into men's journal? So the everyday warrior is really more of a mindset than anything else. And we're, we're all warriors in, in, in our own you know, way. Uh, maybe not in the traditional sense of, hey, we're going to go to combat and, and be a warrior that way. But, I mean, when you talk about the, the single mom of two the, that's just trying to, you know, get, get her kids up and get them to school, when you talk about the business owner that, you know, has to worry about COVID or whatever the case is and just trying to, to make the business survive, or you're just talking about, you know, an everyday person that they wake up and they go to work. But, I mean, there's so many battles we have to face. We have to face the battles on, on the freeway. We have, to, we have to face the battle of just getting up in the morning, right? And so what an everyday warrior is, is, is a mindset to say, look, I can, I, can, I can accomplish this. I can win this battle, no matter what it is. Because oftentimes, we, we lose the battle before we ever step out the door. It was um, the art of war, you know, the, the victorious... Um, what is it? The victorious soldier wins the battle um, before he steps on the battlefield. And, you know, it, it, I can't remember the exact quote, but I, I know it as far as like feeling it in my heart. And that's what an everyday warrior is. The individual that just wakes up, 
and it's like, I am going to win the day, period. No matter, no matter what happens, I am going to, going to win the day. I love everything about that. And you're right. It's you wake up and you set that tone right away and how you're going to attack the day or let the day attack you. But George now go into maybe Ada and the more I learn, the more I love about Ada and legacy. And, and then we could get on triple seven, but let's talk Ada for a second. Can you give us, Explain it to everybody. Well, I, I, I really wish I was wearing an Atta shirt right now. So it's A-T-T-A, right? Liveatta.com. And what Atta is, again, it, it's, it's another mindset. But it, this mindset is just taking everything one step at a time, one goal at a time, right? So often in life, what we do is we try to take on everything at one time. And then we get overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but whenever I get overwhelmed, I just sit down. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And then you just revert back to your training just one step at a time. Okay. You create a plan. You, pre- you prepare. Okay. Cause cre- just cause you have a plan doesn't mean you're prepared, right? Create a plan, prepare and execute PPE. That's it. And, and that's what that stands for. And then after you do that, then you have an after action report, right? You go back and you do a little bit of self-reflection, and, and you think about the things that you could have planned a little bit better for, how you could have prepared a little bit better, maybe the execution phase of it. And, and, and we do that by journaling, right? So add also has a sense of, princi- uh, you know, a series of principles, right, of, you know, things that you should do. You should disconnect. You shouldn't always be on the computer or on your phone. And it's so funny because we live in, in this technology world where everyone's heads are down and no one's looking up. And seeing the world that's out there, right? And so going back to Ada, you know, those are some of the principles, but it's just taking every day one step at a time, every moment one step at a time, every goal one step at a time. And I think, George, from our first call, the biggest thing I got from you is you and I both kept saying yes, if it was about the quote, if it was about helping on a podcast back and forth. Uh, what really connected us was just your ability and your big heart to give. And and with what you guys are doing with the triple seven it is just so amazing. It leaves me really at a loss for words. Can you briefly tell us about the triple seven jump and, and what it's going towards? I, I can, right? So I first I have to talk about Mike Sorelli. Um, he, he is the founder of Legacy Expeditions and, and Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Initiative. And so what the 777 is, is Mike and, and the team will be jumping seven jumps in seven days on seven different continents to raise $7 million for the Folds of Honor. And um, it's, it's a pretty audacious goal. We've been planning this for a little bit over a year or maybe right at a year. And, and everything's coming together. We have Dan Myrick from the Blair Witch Project, who's going to be directing. We have Dave Batista, who's going to be a co-director and producer, um, along with an you know, uh, entire slew of other individuals that's, that's jumped in and helped out. Um, so many people, I, I can't even name all of them. Um, but the point is, it's not about us. What it's about is raising the money for the individuals that need it. 
you know, there, there's kids out there that they, they've lost their, their moms, they've lost their dads, whatever the case is. And we want to give back. And, and that's our way of doing it. Just bringing awareness to the folds of honor and the folds of honor. They, I, I was out golfing today with my son, my son's 10 years old. And there was a folds of honor hat at the, uh, Timberlinks golf course, um, where, where I was golfing and, and I just, you know, struck up a conversation with the guy behind the counter and, uh, showed him the triple seven video, which I will share with you, um, again. Um, but it was just absolutely amazing. The, uh, the amount of people that's willing to jump in and support a great cause. A great cause for just so many deserving people. And I want to pivot, George, onto leadership. You've, you know, through your military career, through your everyday parenting life, maybe to tell us what the difference between a good leader and a bad leader is and how you would define leadership. All right. To me, a leader is someone who is able to bring out the best in, in someone else, right? So what is a good leader, right? To me, a good leader is someone who leads you in a direction because it's not only good for you, but it's also good for the entire team. Now, what's a bad leader, right? And, and there, there's so many great leaders out there, and there, there's some bad leaders out there as well. A bad leader to me is someone who wants to lead you into a direction that's only going to benefit them. And, and, and that's it. And, and so leadership can be considered a form of manipulation if you want, right? But there's good manipulation, there's bad man- manipulation, right? So whenever I was in, I had some of the best leaders um, that, that you can possibly have. And they led me into a direction that benefited me. They got nothing out of it. And that was a great leader. Um, and, and, and I think that leadership is, is sometimes or sometimes should be tied to mentorship, some of the best leaders I had, the greatest leaders, they were mentors. They, they, they taught me. They brought me in, and, and they knew how to push my buttons. But at the end of the day, they didn't get anything out of it. They did it all for me, and that, that's what a good leader is. And, and that's honestly what I strive to be, um, you know, whether it's being a father or if it's being a baseball coach or if it's being you know, in, in the position I'm in now with uh, the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior. So there's a lot of leadership styles. How, again, as a parent or as your everyday work, what is your comfort zone in a leadership style? I think my, I think my, my leadership style really centers around listening and asking questions, right? The biggest question you're ever going to hear me ask is why. Why, why did you do that? I really want to understand. And I think a lot of, a lot of people, they, they listen with the intent to respond, especially leaders, right? Um, my whole deal is I try to listen with the intent to understand and learn, okay? Because we're all going to fail, right? And, and that's one of the biggest things about, you know, the everyday warrior. Failure is going to happen. Failure is how you, how you get to success, right? And so when I come across, you know, an individual that maybe they failed, right? They already, they already know they failed. Why do I need to tell them that they already, something they already know? So I ask them, what was it that you were thinking? What were you trying to accomplish? Okay, now I see your vision. This is maybe how I would have done it. What you did, could have worked, you know, maybe it didn't work, but it could have. 
if you would have done these things instead, right? So I, I, I approach leadership more from a listening standpoint and trying to understand, you know, the individuals that I'm working with. I love the the talk of speaking versus listening. So military, especially old school, sometimes no one asked for your opinion. You were told a mission and you were told to do or accomplish a task and they really didn't care your care about your opinion. But today we're in a generation of sometimes you have a goal or a mission that you have to explain why we're going to the right and not the left. But do you find, even though you have to accomplish a task, do you think it's necessary with younger people, younger generations, to give them that why and to explain it before they ask that question? Oh, absolutely. I I, I think anyone... that. Obviously, it depends on the situation. Whenever you're in a, in a combat situation, sometimes you, you have to receive an order or give an order, and, and there is no negotiation at, at that point. Like, this is what it is, right? But we're, we're not in those situations. I mean, almost never are we in those situations, except for maybe, you know, my, you know one of my kids or something running out in, into the street. There's a car coming, and, and I have to tell them exactly what they need to do. But... You know, with this generation, they need that. They, they want to understand the why and why not. You know, like there's no reason why you can't take the extra two minutes. Honestly, it only takes about two minutes to give someone to why the, to give someone the why to help them understand the bigger picture. Because once they understand that, they're going to have buy in. Once they have buy in, they'll, they'll run through a wall for you. And, and so I believe that whenever I'm talking to, to an individual, I give them the why first. Hey, okay, so this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. Let me know how you want to get it done. If you if you need some help figuring out the how, easy day. Just come to me. And, and it's funny. I, I need to create a shirt that says easy day and no worries. Th- those are two things that, that I say literally a, a hundred times on a daily basis. Easy day. I, I've, I probably said it to you I don't know how many times without even realizing it. And, and, and someone messes up on something. No worries. All right, let's figure out how to fix it together because then they trust you. They understand that you're not there just to bark orders. You you really want to help accomplish, you know, the the mission. George, you talked about the importance of mindset uh, in, in your in your everyday battles. And we know that fear is a is an emotion that often comes up, whether it's you know, you're about to jump make a halo jump or you're walking up on a device you know, and not sure exactly what it is. And now you have to disarm it to, I got to give a speech today in front of my uh, team. How do you, what do you suggest or what are your thoughts on dealing with fear and, and how to conquer it or, or, or how to, how to really get past it? That is a, that's a really good question. Um, probably not one I have a ready-made answer for. Um, f- fear is natural. And typically fear leads to anger. Yeah, you know, when, when you think about the times that you really get angry, most of the time it, it's fear-induced, right? Um, but for an individual to, to get past that fear, they, they just have to put themselves in the situation multiple times. And that's what training is for, okay? In, in everyday battles, 
driving, for example. When it, whenever we all probably started driving, we were a little bit excited, but we were also a little bit nervous as well, right? But the more you do something, the consistency, if you want to succeed in something, do it every day. You will succeed no matter what. I, I, I say this all the time. How long does it take a bamboo tree to grow as tall as a building, right? And it's, it's this little story I watched on YouTube. And it's, it's after watering it for five years, a little bitty sprout pops up. And then after a couple of weeks, it's as tall as a building. But you took the time to consistently water it, right? So if you have fears of something, you just have to take the time and consistently go out and meet those fears one step at a time. Create a plan, whatever it is. I, I don't know what you're afraid of doing, right? If you're afraid to, to start a business, if you're afraid to you know, put something out there on social media, just do it one day and then do it another day and another and another. Just consistency. That's how you get over fear because then you become comfortable. You know, the, there's a word that is often thrown about uh, called pivot. And, you know, of course, in the basketball world, we think pivot as in footwork. But, you know, now it's a term in business to, to change direction. So how important is it for anyone to be able to pivot? And, and I'm just going to throw this out in an example. I'm sure that once you entered the Navy – and you started to train for your specialty, you, were, you received one set of, of training. Once you got to the battlefield, you got into that environment, it's a whole different experience. And now you're having to constantly adjust. So number one, how important is it? And number two, you talked about PPE and you talk about the after action report. How do you develop a humility so that, you know, when we're reviewing things and we get into the, into the, the mix of this hot wash, I'm not, being, I'm not taking offense at, you as a leader saying, hey, you know, did you think about this? Or, hey, did you consider this approach? Well, let's, let's start with pivoting, right? Um, that's probably one of the hardest things for anyone to do is, is to change course, right? We, we get so comfortable. We get caught up in routines, right? So to be able to, to pivot, it's, it's extremely important because you have to stay fluid, right? You, ha you have to... Of course, know what it is you want to do. Create a plan. But at the end of the day, was it Mike Tyson said? Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth, right? That I mean, everyone has used that quote on every, probably a thousand podcasts. Um, but but it's so true. Everyone has a plan. But when the plan goes south, you have to have contingencies. You have to be comfortable enough to pivot. And how do you get comfortable doing that? By putting yourself in those situations. It, it everything goes back to training, planning, preparing. And then getting ready to execute. Every single time you get to the execution phase, something's going to happen. But during your planning, if you think ahead, you're gonna you're gonna have a you're gonna have an additional plan for that. You're gonna be prepared for it. And so that's what I think about pivoting. Um, I'm sorry. What was the second question? The second question was being humble and and not taking offense when in the middle of a of a hot wash or an after action review, you know that you're not feeling attacked for your your decisions, but it's more to try to understand, okay, what was your mindset there? What were you thinking? And what can you do to improve? I, th I think, I think being humble, it, it takes time. It takes time to learn. Um, one of the biggest, you know, humbling things that you can possibly do is, is go try out jujitsu. It doesn't matter how big you are. There, there's going to be someone about this big that will roll you into an arm bar. Um, and so with that being said, um, it goes back to listening right? I, you have two ears, one mouth for a reason. Once you learn to listen with the intent to learn instead of listening with the intent to respond, 
then you will learn how to how to be humble. Um, and it's one of the strongest character traits that that anyone can have. Actually, yes, you you had a quote that we actually put in our book in the Everyday Warrior book, and it's um, there's nothing more powerful than a humble person with a warrior spirit who's driven by a bigger purpose. But but the the word humble is is, is already in there. Right. So learning how to be humble, it, it's a process. No one's born humble. As a matter of fact, we're, we're actually born just the opposite of that. Most of us are born to say, hey, look, look what I can do. But we're brought up like that. Right. When you think of have you ever heard of Carol Dweck? Yeah. Gr- growth mindset, fixed mindset and growth mindset. Yes. Right. And so she talks about, you know, children who grow up and their parents are, oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're so good at that. Instead of, oh, wow, you worked really hard. Right. And so I think that being humble is also part of the mindset. You know, kids grow up with this. Oh, I'm, I'm really good mentality. And then they get into the real world and then they realize, oh, wow, like I'm, I'm not as good as what I thought. And, and it takes time to, to learn how to be humble. Well, I think there's also a, a tendency when people hear humility, they think of it as weakness when it's not. You know, it, it, it is that willingness to learn and grow. And like you said, the willingness to make that mistake and then not, to, you know, and then to learn from it and, and then to take the lesson and apply it moving forward. So we, we talk about leadership and what advice do you give to those who are, let's say, you know, if in the military, you know, you're, you're either a petty officer or, you know, I was in the army. So I was, a, you know, I was a non-commissioned officer. Orders come down and, you know, we have to follow those orders. But at the same time, I need help from my leadership. How do you build that relationship how do you kind of manage up the, the, the chain between, you know, your, your sergeants and all the way up to your unit officers, all, you know, as far as you can go? Build trust. All right. You you own everything that you can possibly own. I, I had a great mentor um, who taught me um, ownership over everything, no matter what. OK, um, if. You can always find a way to own something, if an asteroid comes down out of the sky and hits one of my loved ones. How can you honestly own that, right? Well, you know, there's there's people that literally that that is their job is to track these asteroids and I've never once in my life ever donated money to that organization. That's a way to own it. That doesn't mean it's your fault. Just because you own something doesn't mean it's your fault. Okay? It it just means that you take the responsibility of it instead of being a victim. And when we talk about mindset, probably the biggest thing, part of mindset that I talk about is having a victim mindset. We, we live in a society right now where everything is someone else's fault. And, and we talk about that in The Everyday Warrior, how to get away from that victim mindset, right? Um, so, that, I mean, that's, that's really it in a nutshell. So the way that, that I've always got my, my leaders to you know, listen to what I had to say is I earn their trust and I earn it by, by owning everything that they give me. If they give me something, I don't get it done. Hey, look, I didn't get to, before they even have to ask, I, I send them a message or I talk to them. Hey, I didn't get this done. This is the reason why I didn't get it done. And this is my plan to, to get it done. And this is, this is on the timeline. George, I want to talk about managing conflict in, you know, almost in the hand where we have four people in one direction and then you have the thumb that's decided to go their own way. How do you 
manage conflict within a team where you have outside noise affecting people uh, that are on their own agenda? How do you get that thumb back in line with the other fingers to kind of be part of a team? So I, I created this acronym and this is, I've never heard of it before. And if anyone else has, then, then great. Maybe, maybe I did hear it, but it's called talk, right? Um, so anytime that there's some type of conflict that I really need to manage, I, first of all, I give the individuals my time. Talk stands for T-A-L-K, right? Time, attention, because just because you're giving someone time doesn't mean you're actually giving them attention. Have you ever walked into to an office and you're like, hey, boss, I, I have this uh, this thing's going on. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, just tell me about it. And they're sitting there and they're typing on the computer. And whatever the case is, time and attention are two totally different things. The, the L and the K stands for leadership and knowledge. And it's not just managing conflict. That, that's what our kids need, too. Kids need our time. They need our, our attention. They need our leadership and, that, and they need our knowledge because if we're not giving it to them, they're going to get it from somewhere, right? And most of the times it can be from social media or their friends or TikTok or whatever the case is. But getting back to managing conflict, right? So when there's a situation that comes up, I give it the time that, that it requires, the attention, okay? And then I apply my leadership, my, my past leadership experience and, and my knowledge, and that's how I kind of navigate through through conflict. And that's how I manage everything in life. I love it. Layson, I see a t-shirt, everyday warrior talk. We're gonna triple XL. We're ready. I love that, George. That is that is fantastic. I'm gonna put that in my toolbox. That's great. All right, let's shift to success and failure. So success is kind of easy. We all love it, but we're also going to all have failures in our life. George, what's the bounce back? How do you get people when they experience failure? How do you get them to bounce back, refocus, attack the next mission, if you will? I put them in the situation. Yeah, I, I coach a baseball team and, and, and I tell them little things to, to help their mindset. The biggest failures I've ever met in my entire life are people's never failed because they've never tried anything hard enough to actually fail, right? Um, and so when individuals fail, you have to sit down with them. If, 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 they, if they really want the advice, you got to sit down with them and take the time and figure out where things went wrong. Okay, show me your plan. Oh, well, I, 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 I didn't have a plan. What do, you, what do you mean didn't have a plan? Okay, well, these are the things that you need in order to succeed, right? Okay, well, maybe they do have a plan. Okay, how did you prepare? Well, I, I made my plan. No, making a plan and preparing are two totally different things, right? And then the execution phase. So it goes back to self-reflection. It goes back to the AAR. It goes back to journaling, right? Every time we came off of, off of a mission while I was over in Ramadi, every single time we would sit down and we would go over what happened on that run. And that's how we got better. So anytime you experience failure, you just have to sit down, take the time, figure out what went wrong and, and kind of, you know, reattack. So that's, that's kind of how, whenever, anytime someone comes to me and they, they talk about how they failed at something, that's why I'll talk to them. Hey, don't worry about it. Easy day. Okay. You failed. Cool. When are you going to try again? What's next? Next pitch. It's got to be a next pitch mentality. All right. So I'm going to keep you on coaching little league baseball. Team failure, your team loses, 
But Johnny went three for three, had five RBIs, home run, everything's good. So team failure with individual success. And and I did pick on, you know, youth is something different. You could take it to the boardroom or to military. But how do you handle a team failure? But there were individual success. But we can't always celebrate you going three for three when the group lost. Even at, at a young age, how do you get that through coaching little guys? You know what? I'm I'm not sure that you can't. Like to to be completely honest, right? Because in in little league, it's it's not these kids are getting paid to to win, right? And so if if the team fails, but little Johnny's going three for three every single time, of course I'm going to celebrate him. Okay, I, I want him to understand that. Hey, keep working hard, and I'm going to talk to the team about hey. Follow this guy. This is what this individual is doing in order to succeed. Um, you know, ha- having individual, so many people's like, oh, well, you know, just because you had individual success, but the team lost, it's a mentality that, that we teach our kids that it's not okay to be happy about our, our individual successes. There's going to come a time, right, where individual success comes secondary to team success. And that's usually in the adult world. But, you know, in, in Little League and youth sports, Individual successes should be celebrated because not everyone puts in the time and effort to be as good as what they really should be. And some parents don't put in the time and effort to help their kids be as good as they should be. But with that being said, you know, when 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 a kid has tremendous success and, and the team fails, hey, failure failure's failure. What are we gonna do together as a team? to to get better and and i just try to keep it as as a very positive message as as i can how do you stop the outside noise be it in a boardroom on a mission little league baseball how do you stop outside noise from affecting whatever that goal is you know, it's funny. We just actually wrote an article about this on the Everyday Warrior. There's so much outside noise. I was at the gym and I was working out. It was it was five o'clock in the morning, and then I was heading home about six thirty. And I'm just driving in my car and listening to the radio, and I was bombarded for ten minutes of nothing but just advertisements. Um, and it goes back to something that we wrote in the book, the Everyday Warrior book, about disconnecting. Right. And we wrote an article on on the Men's Journal website about disconnecting. We we are so connected to everything. I turned off the radio and I and I drove the rest of the way home. And when I got home, my mind was so clear. So how can you get rid of the outside noises and, and the outside influences? Just disconnect. Stop listening to the radio. Stop listening to the news. Stop. Turn turn your phone off. Turn your social media off just for a little bit. We're not saying completely go without it. That that'd be that'd be hypocritical of us to say, hey, don't use social media. We use social media, but utilize it for the for the right reasons, right? Don't just sit there and mindlessly scroll because ninety percent of what you're going to see is sponsored ads. Turn it off, right? The I don't know about you, and, and this is a little bit funny, but when do you have your best ideas? I would have them almost going to bed or right when I wake up. Mine's whenever I'm pooping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're right. Yes. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not typically like most people. You go in there and you have your phone. You're just scrolling through your phone endlessly for 10 minutes while, you, while you're using the restroom, right? Whenever I use the restroom, I, I sit there and I think about things. Or if I'm in the shower, I sit there and I think about things. I had to drive an hour and 15 minutes to work every single day um, for, the, for the last little part of my career. And I would drive in complete silence for half the drive. I would listen to a podcast once that, or, or maybe an audio book. But once that was over, like, and I knew I had about 30 minutes left, I would turn the radio off and I would drive and I would think about the things that I listened to or the things that I heard. And I came up with so many amazing ideas. And that's where a lot of my inspiration comes from. Every time I write something, it, it comes from whenever I'm out just driving by myself. I, I left that the house the other morning uh, to go work out. And I did that because I needed to clear my mind. And so, you know, to to turn off the, the outside noises and, and the outside influences, it's easy. Sometimes the best answers are, are the simplest. Just turn everything off. Go out in nature. How many people just walk out in nature and, and just hang out in the sun by themselves with their own thoughts? That's what meditation is. But we, we, don't, we don't associate taking a walk with meditation these days. We associate sitting there and listening to some guy in our ear say, breathe in and breathe out. Meditation comes in so many different forms. And for me, it's, it's getting outside and it's just being alone. That's where I get most of my energy is by being by myself. George, you mentioned that we were talking about growth mindset and, and fixed mindset earlier. Um, and you just, you know, you talked about podcasts and, and books. And, and, and obviously, Mike has written some, some excellent, you know, books in the past with the talent war. Just curious, with current events right now and the great resignation with businesses really trying to get and keep good talent, what are the lessons that, that you've learned in working with Mike in running a business that can be applied that, that, that business people should be copied based on, on your experience with Mike? Throw the resume out. All right. Re resumes. I help, I help people write resumes. I, I did it for a long time. Resumes. Most of them are just BS. There people sit there and they, they literally Google things that they can put on their resume that makes them sound great. If you want to bring in the best talent, listen to somebody, to someone, just listen to them. Okay. Take them out. Right. And then judge their drive, their resiliency, their team ability, the things that you can't see on a resume. I get it. Like you, there, there's a lot of great things on a resume, but a resume is what you did. It's, it's dead. Like whenever you hire someone, are you hiring them because of what they did or what they can do in the future? Right. Same with coaching. You know, whenever I bring someone onto my team, am I, am I coaching that kid who they are or who they could be? Right. And so the, the biggest thing that, that I think companies, where they go wrong is, is they far too often, they, they just want to bring in who has the best resume instead of the, the actual candidate, right? And I'm not saying, okay, just hire the, the candidate that you, that you can converse with the, the best or something like that. But I'm talking about all those intangibles that might not be on the resume. And that's, that's where Talent War Group has a leg up because what we do at talent war group is is we find those leaders those true leaders that's been in situations that you that you cannot i mean you can't even fathom really you want to see real leadership 
go out to the battlefield. You're going to see some real leadership. I had my first time I was deployed. I was 18 years old and there was a, a second class. I'm not going to mention any names, but we started getting bombed. Okay. And this guy, we couldn't find him for like two or three hours. He, he was supposed to be my leader. I'm 18 years old. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I just, I just jumped into action, right? This guy was actually in a five ton underneath a bunch of plywood. We found him like two or three hours later. We thought he was gone, had no idea what happened. And, and, and that's where you find leaders. When, when things get bad, the real leaders rise to the top. And, and that's, that's where companies go wrong. They, they want to hire based off of a resume that, that 90% of it's crap. I mean, let's just be honest. I, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to throw any, you know, too many cuss words out on, on this podcast, just in case kids are listening. Right. But most of it's just garbage. No. And, and what I love was the chapter, uh, hire for character, train for skill. And I know as coaches, you know, if I'm on a borderline on who I'm picking, I'm going to be looking at that player that has the mindset or the characteristics or the attributes that I think are important to make my, you know, to make this team what we need to do. And then we can train, I can train all the, you know, the, the basketball skills later, you know, that that's just a part of everyday practice. But that other thing, it's kind of like you, like you were saying earlier, you know, when, when things, you know, get crazy, you're going to, you're going to fall back to your training, you know, and if that's the mindset and that's how they are, you know, I feel I'm going to feel good about that decision. Yeah, they're going to mess up. They're going to mess up. It's it it's to be accept, It's to be expected. You know, whenever I joined the military, um, for me, I didn't I didn't know any of the skills that that I later on developed while I was in the military, right? And it, it's so funny to me. And and not that degrees are bad. You know, I think everyone has a uh, has a degree these days. Uh, associates, bachelors, and masters, doctors. I don't know that. Right, I don't think degrees are bad. However, there, there's there's always that person you can teach ninety percent of of. I mean, unless you're a doctor, unless you're hiring a doctor, you're hiring a lawyer, something like that, where you have to have a license. But if it's you know you you'll you'll see jobs on for for Walmart or something, right? Oh, must have a bachelor's degree for what? To stock a shelf? That doesn't make any sense. And and it, it's comical. Go on, go on to Indeed. And just look at some of the qualifications to to work these jobs. Oh, a, someone to sell solar panels, preferred bachelor's degree. For what? There's four things. You want to be successful? Let me give you another acronym that, that I made up. There's four things you need in life to be able to be successful. Y'all watch baseball? Okay. The, the National League Championship Series? N stands for negotiation, Right? L stands for leadership, C stands for communication, and S stands for selling. If you have those four skills, you can succeed at everything. If you know how to negotiate and you and you know how to lead, you know how to communicate, and you can sell, give me a job you can't succeed at with those four into intangible like skills, right? So I don't know. It's just it's it, it's funny to me, like some of the things that I see on on Indeed, and that's where Talent Work Group has, has a leg up. We 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 throw all that out the window. What is it that you need? Okay, you need a leader. We're going to find you a leader, right? And you got to test that. Whenever you're doing interviews, 
don't don't just ask the same interview questions. Oh, well, tell me about yourself. You know, tell me a time that you've been in a situation where leadership has mattered. People practice for those. I do leadership prep. I mean, I, I do I do interview prep with with candidates. Those all those questions come out every single time. Ask them something that they're that they're not going to expect. That's no, I, I, I love that. In fact, Jeff, I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but when I was interviewing for one of my JV coaches, in the middle of the conversation, I handed him a diagram board and asked him to draw a play. You know, I, I said, basically, hey, we need a three-point shot with five seconds left and the ball's underneath. And, you know, I, I, you know, I put him on the spot because, like, you got to make that decision. You got to draw something up, and those players in the huddle got to feel confident with it. You know, and, hey, if, it, if, the, if, the, if the shot doesn't go, it doesn't go. But at least you've got something in place that they feel confident in running. No, George, I love that. No, I, 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 that really resonates with me. No, it's true. And, and again, we're not relating coaching basketball to military. But again, there are a lot, and especially being in education or different fields, to make a decision, well, let's form a committee, then everybody gets a vote, and if we fail then we can all take the blame. Well, in basketball, you have a timeout to draw play or it's man or zone. If there's a mission, you know, a good leader will take the blame. And if the mission works, a great leader steps back and says it was my troops, my people. And um, But yeah, basketball or other sports, you have to make decisions quickly. In your mind, you've prepared for it and you can justify it. But uh, no, absolutely. It's uh, you're on my page, George. Absolutely great, Lacey. Let's have some fun with George right now. Are you ready? You want oh yeah, to I'm ready. Off? I'm ready. I got my list here. I got my all list right. Here, Why don't you lead off? Okay, George. You said you were in EOD in the Navy. Okay, so I was with EOD. So my job was as as a corpsman, right? A corpsman is basically a, a medic in the army, right? But I was just fortunate. I, I was colorblind. Still am. I, I can't see colors for, for anything. But um, I was just fortunate that whenever I joined, they, they needed an, an EOD corpsman. And so I happened to be there. And, and I, was, I was a little bit more uh, in shape than I am now. I mean, I'm still in shape. I'm just more of a round shape, I guess. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, Preaching to uh, the choir. Yeah. You know, so while I was... While I was with the Marines, they needed a corpsman, and uh, and so I screened to go with them, and and there I was, and then I ended up going with the SEAL teams. That's that's where I met Mike. Okay, so from an EOD standpoint, how accurate was the movie The Hurt Locker? Wow, um, for me, it's there, there. There's obviously areas where it was just completely BS, but um, it was it was pretty accurate. I mean, going down on on an IED, um, I had a guy named, uh, uh, Gunny B. Right. And, um, we, we called him iron Mike. This guy got blown up by three, one thirty millimeter projectiles and like stood up and just flipped off the insurgents. Um, it was, it was a great picture. You could probably look it up. Um, iron Mike and, um, Ramadi and, and you'll, you'll find the picture. He's, he's absolutely amazing. I mean, that guy is the true definition of a warrior, but to get back to the hurt locker. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I watched it again and it, it, it takes me back to, to be honest with you. Okay. I, you mentioned this, the teams. Now we know there's so many movies out there about the teams. 
what is the one movie that you feel like is the best representation of what life is like on the teams? And, and I know it's not Navy SEALs <laughs> with, with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't really speak to that because, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, in the SEAL teams. I was, I was a corpsman. Um, I was support. Um, but if, um, a current one that I think that is pretty realistic, uh, David Boreanaz, uh, SEAL team, the, the show on Paramount plus. Yeah. That's, um, from, from, from what I, you know, I see it, it, it seems pretty realistic. Okay. You're a Texas native. I saw a shirt recently that has a, a, a Spartan helmet with the state of Texas flag on it. It said, Texas, America's Sparta. I, and I, I love it. I'm, I'm originally from Louisiana. I've got family members that have served in the military, lived in Texas. I, I bought them one. What is it about Texas that where that so many of our warriors come from and, and just, you know, they have that fighting spirit and they, and they want to, they want to serve the country. I'll tell you, I didn't know this until I left and then I came back. Right. Um, you want to know how you can tell if someone's from Texas? I, I think I've heard this one before, but I want to, I want to hear it. What, your version. Because they'll tell you. <laughs> That's, it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Right. Um, mo most, most uh, places like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from, I'm from uh, San Diego. I'm from Orlando. When you ask someone where they're from and they're from Texas, they say I'm from Texas. That, that's it, right? But here's here's what it is. Um, in Texas, we have these commercials called "Don't Mess with Texas," and they're on all the time, right? And and you see that, and it's a culture, right? Just just like in in any company and on any team, um, it, it's a culture, right? So when you live in Texas. You get so used to hearing that commercial, don't mess with Texas, whether it's a littering commercial, someone's you're driving down the road, they throw a can out the window, and then the can somehow, as they're driving 70 miles an hour, comes back in and hits them across the head, and it says, don't mess with Texas, right? And so individuals from Texas, they, they have that pride because it's, it's been passed down, and, and, and that's, that's where it comes from. And, and to be honest with you, I still carry that pride. Even, even while I was gone, you know, overseas and, and over in Europe or whatever, you know, state that I was in it, that, that pride just stayed with me. Okay, Jeff, I'm probably going to ask the question that could start a war, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask it because, you know, we're talking about Texas culture. Okay. I, I, I George, I hate to, to kind of put you in the spot here, but if you were picking one barbecue spot, in the state of Texas, that someone should go to to have a true Texas barbecue experience. Where is it? I wish you would ask me this question a month ago, month and a half ago. There, in, there's a little place in in Sanger, Texas, called Bolivar Street Barbecue. There's a guy that, that owned it. His name is Josh Cook. Unfortunately, um, COVID took its toll. Uh, he, he had to close down just, just the way it was, right? Um, but absolutely, hands down, the best barbecue that I've ever had in my entire life. And I've lived in Texas for, you know, growing up for 18 years. And then I, you know, I went over to North Carolina and I was, I was in Memphis. I've been all over. I've had barbecue, Kansas City. I don't care. 
this guy, Josh Cook, could make some barbecue. And he owned a company called Bolivar Street Barbecue. And and he, he every now and then, I mean, he still has um, like a food truck now, but just not his brick and mortar building. It just couldn't survive COVID. But um, yeah, that, that would be the one place. So if, if you're ever up in North Texas um, and, and you want some really great barbecue, you got to hit me up and I'll introduce you to Josh Cook. He'll, he'll make some up at his house. No, I'll, I'll trust me. I will, I will definitely take you up on that. Hey Jeff, look, I'm, you know, George, I'm in Raleigh, Durham in, in North Carolina. So I get you on the Eastern North Carolina style barbecue. It was a culture shock for me coming from Louisiana, being used to Texas barbecue and coming here. And I remember the, you know, the first time I'm like, well, where's the sauce at? You know, I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know where's the, the brisket at? No. <laughs> yeah. It's you know what it, it's all good. All 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 this is just right. that's it. You know yeah. I, you know like I'm not I'm not a foodie. Um, where you know I'm just like this got to be this. But I mean, if you're gonna ask me in North Texas, best place that that's what I'm gonna say. Hands down, that was easy, George. If you could go back in time, what piece of advice would you tell your younger self? To fail more often, fail early, fail often, fail with pride. Um, and, and and here's the reason why why I say that. Um, there there was I, I do that now, but whenever I was a, a little bit younger, I would uh, I didn't take as many chances as, as I do now. Um, I, I, I was I was afraid to be like, oh yeah, let me let me just do this right. I stayed in for twenty years, maybe not even because. I enjoyed being in the military as much as I was just, I was worried about getting out at the time. You know, I had a family and I'm like, man, if I get out and, and what if I fail? What if, I mean, what if I succeed, you know? And so I, I think I would go back in time and, and tell my younger self that. George, what will your legacy be? What are they going to say about you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, some people are going to say very positive things about me, and there's going to be those individuals that that are going to say some very negative things about me because I am who I am, right? And anyone who has a set of standards and and, and beliefs, um, they're they're bound to make not many many friends, but also they're bound to make many many uh, enemies as well. But I think I think what people will say is this, that I cared, that, that I gave everything I could possibly give, um, to help those around me. Um, and, and really like when you, when you ask me that question, I, I, I think about sports and coaching. Um, I, I still have kids. I, I coached high school team while I was in uh road of Spain and they ended up winning the European championship. And, and I didn't see them for a really long time. They, they were, they were grown adults. I had two of the kids that got drafted, um, in, in the later rounds of the MLB draft. And they, they still call me coach, you know, which, which is absolutely amazing to me. Um, you know, and that's probably what the, the biggest thing that, that I could be happy about is, is the fact that I helped change someone's life. Yeah, we often talk about that title of earning the word coach and what it means. But uh, let's say after a long week on a Friday night, 
what's on the grill, what's on the glass, and is there a cigar in the ashtray? There, there, there's not a cigar. Um, my dog wants me to play a uh, fetch with him, um, but no. So, so usually, um, what's on the grill is, is fillet, right? Um, baked potato. I love that. Um, I use uh, Worcestershire sauce. Um, not for my steak though, for my baked potato. If you've never had it, Ooh. right? Potato. A curveball, lace. Yeah, and now I'm gonna have door. to try that one tomorrow night. Yeah. Yes, and then, um, you know, as far as what's in in the glass, it it typically depends on whether or not my my kids are awake or if they're asleep. They're asleep. Oh, if they're if they're asleep, then uh, then I, I typically like to go with uh, something like Maker's Mark and uh, maybe maybe a little bit of Coke. Probably just a splash. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. George, so we'll finish with uh, our top 25. Pick a number from 1 to 25. Got it. What number do you want to pick? Two. Are you a fan of pumpkin spice? Absolutely not. That is the worst <laughs> thing that anyone has. My wife loves the pumpkin spice lattes from, from Starbucks, and I despise Starbucks. So when I drink coffee, it's straight black. And Starbucks coffee is the worst coffee, hands down. It tastes like it's burnt. But my wife loves some Starbucks and pumpkin spice. I can't stand it. I should have picked a different number. No, that's great. Next one. Travel in the U.S. or travel internationally? Internationally. What's the favorite place you've been? Italy. Italy. Absolutely. All right. Our last one. Your favorite athlete growing up? Barry Bonds. Now I'm going to start a war. <laughs> <laughs> that did it. The Bonds is taking it over the top. Uh, Lason tonight, uh, and I told you it was going to be fun. And George's best characteristic is his heart. He just shared so many great things. George, can you tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and all of the great things you guys have going on? Uh, absolutely. Um, you want to reach out to me? My personal email address is George at three the number three one ventures.com um and that that's honestly the best way to to reach out to me um i mean i have a cell phone but i try not to carry my phone everywhere i go um and and i, I have this belief that that my cell phone is for my convenience not others you ever, you ever meet those individuals that they they just can't leave their cell phone at home or in the car or whatever yeah that's 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 not me. So um, anyway, and some of the things we have going on, um, we have the triple seven um, going on where we're trying to raise seven million dollars for Folds of Honor. Um, so if you go to LegacyExpeditions.net, dot um, there, there's a donation page there if anyone wants to donate. Um, in addition to that, um, go to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior uh, website. Just go to Men's Journal, then click on Everyday Warrior. Um, there, there's plenty of information there. If you want to reach out to us, if you want to come on the podcast, um, you know, just hit me up. Um, I, I book all the guests for it, so I'd love to hear from you. It's a wonderful night. George, thank you again for sharing. Yes, George, thanks. Yes, sir. 
Thank you for listening to the fifth quarter Conversations Beyond the X and O's with your hosts, Layson Perkins and Jeff Osterman. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave comments on social media. 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 Media.